And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, Welcome guys. Also, gird your loins, everyone, because this is live. Gird your loins. Gird your loins as I swallow part of my hair. Or that I get to see you do it live in front of my face. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so here we are, no screens, no hiding, anything. Actually, We're just in the thick of it. Into the thick of it. <laughs> uh, of course, producer Brian is here with us. Random male voice. Hello. <laughs> Wait, was it random male voice or was it? Random male noise. 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 Yes. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, it's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a noise, but he's here with us. We're all here together. In the flesh. In the flesh for the first time, even though we have already met each other. Now this is our first time recording together. Yay. It's super exciting. And we have some things to discuss mm-hmm. on today. So today we are talking about the 2020 psychological horror film, The Night House. Who is this? Owen, please. I can't hear you. I can't. Come on, Jenny. You gotta look the window. Oh. Creepy, creepy, scary, scary, spooky skeletons. So. Spooky, scary skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also gonna butcher some of these names, and I apologize. I'm going to try. But this movie, The Night House, it's directed by David Bruckner, and it's based on a screenplay by Ben Collins and Luke Piotrowski. It stars Rebecca Hall alongside Sarah Goldberg, Evan Jonakite, Stacey Martin, and Vondi Curtis Hall. And... What a movie. <laughs> That's all I can say. So I want to say this is not your first time watching this, Jamie. Correct. Okay. So this was on the suggested from Jamie and Brian. This is my first time watching this movie. And what an experience. But before we get into all of that, of course, heavy spoilers ahead. We're going to be talking about the entire movie, all of our thoughts about it, Uh as well as, are there any trigger warnings for this? Yes, I would say that there is. Mm-hmm. Um, trigger warning around uh, suicide. Um, that's a that's a big theme in this film, mm-hmm. um, and and also some like assault, murdery murders. Yes, a lot of <laughs> murdery murders <laughs> driven uh, by demonic forces. Yes, the occult. If that yes. is also a trigger. Um, then, then maybe skip this one. There's yeah. other, there's other, you know, things you can <laughs> also you can watch. watch. Yeah. Yes, and then listen back to us. Although, a lot of my friends are like, oh, I want to listen to your podcast, but I hate scary movies. And I'm like, well, you kind of want to know what's 
going on in the movie, even though we do kind of explain it. Sure. It's sure. helpful. But if you're that person and you just want to listen to us talk, I mean, feel free. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, we maybe us talking about it will help you work through your fears. And, Absolutely. you know, that's, that's what we're here for. Yes. We're trying to help you have uh, process the safe danger mm-hmm. that is horror movies. Mm-hmm. And reinforce your resilience. Absolutely. There you go. Therapy. Therapist. <laughs> this is why you have degrees on degrees. <laughs> well, have you guys watched anything new before we jump into this? Yeah, we watched... Oh, do we talk about Tournament of Champions already? Yeah, we talked about Escape yeah. mm-hmm. uh-huh. Tournament of Champions. Uh, no, I don't think we watched anything like okay. horror-related aside from this. Yeah. I don't... Right? We talked about watching horror things, and then we didn't. <laughs> we d- on our list is uh, Werewolves Within. Mm-hmm. We rented it was a ninety nine cent rental on Amazon. Uh, nice. Excuse me, on iTunes the other like, week. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we want to watch Old because that's rentable now. Nice. Uh, I need to watch that. Was there something else on the list that we wanted to see? Uh, I don't know. You you curate your uh, lists like every day, every hour. Uh, you're a real list connoisseur, so um, there's just so much. There's yeah. so, so much, much content. content. Like as far as also TV series, because like we have to get into the Chucky TV series at some point, mm-hmm. and yeah. you guys are finishing up Squid Game, and mm-hmm. there's just too much things. It's also. A lot. Oh, no, go ahead. No, I was just saying it's a lot. I no, it's, it's definitely a lot. I haven't watched anything super spooky, but, and I think I told you guys, I did tell you guys about this. There is a documentary series on Netflix called The Movies That Made Us. Mm-hmm. And right now they have episodes about the OG Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Friday the 13th. I've only watched a couple of minutes of the Nightmare on Elm Street one, but it's interesting. It just talks about how the movie was made and how it almost didn't get made and mm-hmm. things that were going on uh, during that time. And it's it's really interesting just to see like the thought processes and how they came up with the character of Freddy Krueger, which I'm like forgetting it in the crevices of my mind right now because <laughs> my brain is half asleep. But I think you should guys should watch it if it's okay. something yeah. Yeah, your I love alley. that stuff. Mm-hmm. If you like documentaries and horror, which... Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all that we do. Great intersection. <laughs> Great intersection of things. Uh, grand. So let's get into the night house. Ooh. I have questions. <clears throat> sure. All the things, but we need to do our two-minute summary <laughs> as I look at Jamie. <laughs> Woohoo. Watch the plot. <laughs> I mean, that is why I, you know, you lied earlier when you said none of us have screens because I do have a screen and I have a Wikipedia article in front of me. Absolutely. Yes. That is is my point of reference to not miss anything in two minutes. There's there's so much. There's a lot. But I'm ready. Yeah. I'm feeling bold and beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. As you should. As you should. Yes. Ready and go. Okay, so the movie starts with um, the main character, Beth. Um, her husband just died by suicide, her husband, Owen. Um, she, and it, it takes place, like, immediately after we see her, like, post-funeral. We see, like, friends, family reaching out. Um, she starts to go through the house and kind of go through his things, and um, some spooky things start to happen. Um, she goes through his phone and finds a photo of a woman that looks very similar to her. Um, then she goes out with her teacher friends and talks about how she uh, that she found the suicide note that her husband wrote. 
that says, you're right, there's nothing, nothing is after you, you're safe now, which um, she says doesn't make sense, but then later reveals that she herself had died when she was younger in a car accident, um, and that, you know, post-death that there was nothing, uh, no bright light, et cetera, et cetera. One minute. Um, she keeps having more supernatural things. She keeps doing more research into the woman that looks very suspiciously like her. She goes to a library and finds out that this woman works there. She meets her and confronts her. Um, later on, um, the woman comes to her home and has a conversation around how he like tried to make moves on her. Then it seems like he tried to choke her, and yeah. then he stopped and he drove her home. Then she finds out that he has been murdering women that look like her because the nothing, death, whatever it is, mm-hmm. is searching, has been looking for her since she died and came back to life um, and has been plaguing Owen, 20. trying to have him, you know, sacrifice Beth so that nothing can return to, with Beth. Um, and then the Force tries to kill Beth, and then she tries to kill herself, and then her friends come and save her at the end. But nothing is there. It's still there. But it's nothing. But it's nothing. She sees it, though. Oh. Yay. So great. That was great. Yes. Thank you. I hope I did okay. You did great. (laughs) (laughs) So. I think you should go first because we have seen this movie before and I love your your fresh takes. Yeah. So just, and I was going to say, let's just talk about initial thoughts and if we just liked it in general. And. I guess now because we're doing this podcast, I'm definitely looking at movies in a different way. So even when we were talking about like Babadook, the first time I had watched that, it was kind of like, what is this? But mm-hmm. then through the different lens of, mm-hmm. of talking about therapy and stuff, and you realize kind of the metaphors or like the underlining themes of it. In watching this, I was like, oh, okay, what is the underlining theme of this? And they talk a little bit uh, about like de- depression, but it's not really the center of it. Mm -hmm. It's mostly just kind of like the concepts of of death. And I just really enjoyed how they married having death being so physicalized and so tangible. And and it's something that is relatable because we all have our own sense of what is death Mm -hmm. or, you know, the afterlife and all that kind of stuff. But it's nice to use that in a horror sense and say, like, it is something that is after you, which is kind of like what the... Final Destination movies are, except you don't see an actual person. Mm -hmm. And so for this to be like an actual person that is not there, but there and having the who at the end of just uh, it's not Owen. That's the spirit that is trying to contact her is actually death. Like, I think that was a genius twist Mm -hmm. because we're all rooting for it to be Owen because we're like oh maybe if she can continue to contact him then we'll get the answers of like what is happening as opposed to like paranormal activity where we're like don't bother the ghost at all like what the fuck (laughs) don't go in the hallway from the ghost don't bring out the the Ouija board board ever but this one I'm just like actually no is it (laughs) Owen I want to know what's happening Mm -hmm. Uh, so I yeah I love that and I love the cinematography and even just when she is in the bathroom and the ghost is the, the nothing is like touching her mm-hmm. and that kind of CGI moment I thought was like really cool and mm-hmm. and because it reminds me of also the uh, Invisible Man the, mm. the newer one yeah and those kinds of, of concepts of like you know filming with things not touching you and it's nothing there but you're whatever but I think this movie kind of 
honed in on a different way of filming that, which became more clear and like the tension was built a lot more because of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, so all in all, I loved it, obviously. <laughs> it's a great movie. I loved how they talked about depression and we'll get into like questions about that because this main character thought that she kind of inflicted her trauma and her depression on her partner mm-hmm. and that's why he took his life when mm-hmm. that wasn't the case. And then just why was, you know, death initially after her in the first place and talk and you know, questions about did she have the depression before the uh before her, you know, almost death mm-hmm. situation, mm-hmm. and then how did that kind of move her towards having even more depression after that and dealing with all of that, you know, having totally. a near-death experience, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and I thought it was very well acted, like Rebecca Hall, is that? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. That's She's fantastic. I don't know if I've seen her in anything else. Do you guys know her from? Yeah, she was in Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Oh, she was yeah. in Iron Man 3. That's right. Um, okay. She's in a lot of other stuff, but those are okay. probably her two most like famous. maybe well-known things. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I just thought it was a, a beautiful thing to watch. And I think if I hadn't gone in with the mindset, I may have thought a little bit differently about it. Mm-hmm. But in thinking about how this is kind of a metaphor for a lot of other mental things, it's like, oh, this is genius. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. How did you guys feel initially? Um, I, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, and I agree. I think Rebecca Hall's excellent in this. And like, I mean, there's so much of it that's just her, um, Mm -hmm. because like, you know, the focus is on her processing her grief and the loss of her husband. Um, and also like this sense of, you know, thinking that you know somebody so well, and then slowly (sighs) like seeing pieces of a puzzle that don't make sense to you and like how does that while also processing grief like how does the idea that maybe you don't really know this person that you thought you knew so well like really just completely shake up you know your your whole life and like by digging and digging and digging and and her friend her her um teacher colleague is telling her like you know why can't you just like leave things alone and just remember Mm -hmm. him in the way that like in the way that he died where he loved you so much and, like, that's it. But, like, it just didn't... I, I think ultimately, like, her not understanding because she was the one that struggled with mental illness and he seemingly didn't, yeah. that that there was just this gap of, like, I don't understand how this person could do this and leave me. And, like, it makes perfect sense of just, like... Un- I, mean, I know we've, you know, spoken about grief in this particular season a yes. lot. Um and that people don't necessarily move through each of the stages of grief, like denial and anger and depression, all of those in order. Mm-hmm. But, um, but like it's it's definitely it definitely doesn't seem like an element of like denial in this. It seems like she knew him very well, and so right. like there's more just this like confusion around like what was really going on for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I like I mean. I'm interested in, like, occult themes in movies, so I like that it kind of takes that turn. Yes. Um, I also really like how—I mean, it's kind of silly, but, like, they make—they try really hard to make her talking about her near-death or death-death experience, like, a throwaway. But it's, like, so clear in that moment that this is going to become really central to the movie, but you don't quite know how they're going to pull it off or, like, what it means, which is so interesting. Yeah. Um, But— 
From a mental health perspective, one of my favorite scenes in this movie is the scene where she goes out to the bar with mm-hmm. her colleagues. Absolutely. And um, and just, like, the state that she's in, like, obviously she's been drinking more heavily, so she's a little looser and, like, not as contained as, um, as maybe, like, you know, you would expect somebody to be in that type of setting. Yeah. Um, making jokes about her husband's suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, she pulls out the suicide leather and, like, it's clear that she wants to, like, talk to them about it. But, like, as other people who... I mean, grief makes people uncomfortable. Yes. So, like, it's so clear that they want to have nothing to do with this topic of conversation. Um, there may be some, like, element of curiosity... Right. ...when she, like, is mentioning that he commits suicide. And so it's like, oh, well, why? Like, that's, you know, for some people, they're, they're like... Into like I think people having that distance when it's not like immediately affecting them, but like mm-hmm. the curiosity of like it happening to somebody else, yes. um, you know, really sometimes can like uh, not motivate people, but like um, like stir people up in a way where like they want to know more. Absolutely. Um, and so like the kind of combo of all of that happening at the same time is just so well executed and like mm-hmm. of, I mean yeah I, I think that she does an excellent job at portraying grief about like how it makes other people uncomfortable how like how she is like also still struggling with like elements of depression in that yeah. scene too um, it's just so effective um, and then and I mean I'm still I'm still thinking about this suicide note like it still kind of blows my mind. It's so, it it just this whole movie is so well done. I highly recommend it to everyone. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Brian, your initial thoughts? I mean, I really like it for all the reasons that you've both mentioned. Yeah. Um, I think it's well acted. I think it's smart. I think the twist is good. I think the twist is um, appropriate, more the reveal rather than like a twist. Yes. Um, yeah. I think it is really beautifully filmed and it makes me even though it's spooky it still makes me want a lake house <laughs> I think that is a oh god I think that's a big is that part. a main theme of a main theme of this is away. I want a lake house got it um, okay I and like, this was in upstate New York right yeah mm-hmm. um, on the Finger Lakes mm, have you identified like what area <laughs> no. you want the lake house no, to be no. have you looked into Zillow <laughs> oh like my where god. No, I how just, close are we to owning a lake house <laughs> Uh, I mean, it would I'm, be nice. Now I'm invested. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I definitely want a lake house. Just uh, uh, don't keep any guns in there. No, oh, no. I don't want to. I don't want a reverse lake house across the street. Oh, my yeah. God. No, thank you. Um, yeah. I think that this movie is really smart. Mm-hmm. I think that this movie is. I feel like movies like this have the ability to try to do too much within the confines of what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And I think this somehow balances what they're trying to do because you have the occult aspect of it. You have the grief aspect of it. You have the trauma aspect of it. Mm -hmm. You have all of that kind of coalescing together. You have the, the, you know, the, the learning new information. Like there's a lot happening. And I think that one, Rebecca Hall manages it really well. Mm -hmm. I think the script is tight enough that it never goes off too far to the left or too far to the right. And um, and I I think that it gets right into it. So the establishing shots of like the houses and all of that, and then like her throwing away the casserole, but mm-hmm. then and but and also in the house, 
everything that they would do together, like it, there's an establishing shot of the two sinks next to each other, yeah. but you're only seeing one person. Mm-hmm. So already tone-wise, it's setting something that you like pick up on immediately. Right. She throws the casserole away, and then later on you see her cut to her... Watching, watching the 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 yeah, eating it while watching the videos of her wedding, which was playing the song that she ends up hearing later on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, I think all of that is a way to set up that she is a person who she threw away the. She's obviously lonely. He has he has died. She she lives in a house that was built for two, Mm -hmm. and here she is alone. She throws away the casserole. To me, symbolically showing that she like. She either she thinks she's fine. Mm. One denying the fact that like she needs help. Yes. Or, or and then she throws away the help that was given to her. Even the mm-hmm. even the person who gives her the casserole and drops her off at home says, "If you need anything, let me know." She throws away the casserole, but then later on she takes the casserole anyway. Yeah. So this symbolism of like throwing away the help, but then you know needing it later on. Yeah. And I think that sets the tone for this movie because skipping to the very end, the only way she gets out of her predicament, at least the predicament this movie sets up because yes. because it's st- nothing is still there, um, the fact that she is no longer alone. Like mm-hmm. her friend jumps into the water just to help her. Mm-hmm. Like Vonday, um uh, Curtis, Curtis yeah. is a spectacular actor. Yes. Just like does a wonderful job of like – being a, a, an honest support system for her. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least once he, like, reveals what he knows about the husband. Yeah. But, like, and then, like, he's there for her throughout the whole movie. And then finally she, because she's in a fugue state or whatever you want to call it, like, maybe, I'm not saying this is why, but, like, maybe that is one of the reasons why she was able to do that. Because the whole time the husband's alone. Yeah. And the whole, like, while he's going through, like, the killing of the women to save her, he can't share with anybody. And, like, we've talked about this a million times on the podcast where the ghost horror entity attacks the most vulnerable. Yes. And, like, and when he, when nothing couldn't get back to her, he went through the vulnerable people around her. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, because they, she even mentions, like, he, towards the end or whenever when he built the house, he started to, um, Sleepwalk. Sleepwalk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm assuming that that was, like, the entity trying to, like, do something with yes. him or whatnot. Yes. Um, and we can get more into all of that. Yeah. Um, also, super random. <laughs> I really love a movie, a contemporary movie, where the uh, main character can actually use technology appropriately. Mm. And it's not like there's, like, oh, I'm so bu- how does this cell phone work? <laughs> like, I really like that she was able to yeah. log into the computer, find the image, copy the image, find yes. the other ones on the hard drive, mm-hmm. and then, like, go through that. Like, similar to Hush, yes. she knows how to use the computer, at least... At least Flanagan and the writers know how technology works, and they were able to work that in right. in terms of you know the 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 invader stealing the phone, and she, since she's deaf, she can see her computer screen because she has it set up on both. Like, right. like mm-hmm. right. that just makes it so much more interesting, and you believe the world more because yes. this person would understand how this concept works. Absolutely. Um, I really like this movie a lot. I'm sure we'll get more into some of the other things. I have a, I have a ton of notes. Yeah. Um, but those are the things that stand out to me. Also, I want a lake house. 
<laughs> All right, guys, you got to help us so that they can get a lake house. Let's get a Patreon going. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. <you> know, <laughs> make this work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, yeah, even you talking about that, it just brings up a few things, and we can just go ahead and get into the conversation of just like human behavior and mental health stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in you talking about how the use of the technology, it speaks on realistic human behaviors in this movie and there was never a moment where I was like you are making a dumb decision (laughs) you know as opposed to when we were watching you know, other movies in the past and, mm-hmm. and people just kind of do things for the sake of the drama sure. and, and trying to get the scare or because they're setting up somebody dying so mm-hmm. they split up and, you know, all that kind of bullshit. But this is like a, I am I can track what you're doing and I'm also like encouraging with you. Sure. It's <laughs> like, like, would I do this? Maybe. Like I, I also would want to know the same, in the yeah. same way that you want to know. Absolutely. Yeah. And how she's going about it. Mm-hmm. It's not just to... Out of the box. This was not a what's in the hole situation. <laughs> yes. This is not like you're going too far. Like, right. I totally agree with what's you. What's in the hole? Yeah. Like, like in Paranormal Activity, right. for those of you who haven't listened to that episode or watched that movie. Yeah. But like, uh, like I, I agree with you. Like, mm-hmm. I was on this journey with her and didn't yes. feel like I was never yelling like no stop mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. no, because I like, feel like a lot of movies are like don't use the Ouija board. I'm just like yeah, go to that bookstore exactly. and talk to that girl, confront yeah. that woman, yeah. figure out what is going Absolutely. on. Absolutely, <laughs> like we, I liked the character. Yes. she was deeply sad. I wanted her to figure out what was happening so she can yes. get some sort of closure closure yeah. on that. Like, and I think that her friend was also giving her good advice that a friend would give. Yeah. Which like, I do want to talk about. Yeah. That mm-hmm. aspect. Well, first, well, we'll go back. Um, in, in her relationship with her friends, and it's nice that in the end, like you said, the story is you do kind of need the help of other people. You need that support system to help you through, especially because this is a woman who... It, we don't talk about her extended family at all mm-hmm. in this. It's it was only it seemingly was just only her and her husband. Sure. Oh, interesting. And yeah. so now that he's gone, mm-hmm. all she has are her neighbors or her teacher coworkers mm-hmm. and stuff. And so I want to ask though because when she was when the main character was talking about like what was going on and the friend was kind of like I don't think you should be doing this you should but then it was kind of to a point sometimes where she wasn't believing her and it was kind of like that oh I feel like I'm being insane for you know trying to find out something and I don't have that support system of a friend Mm. did you get that at all or like her friend was maybe like gaslighting her yeah just a little bit yeah I mean I guess it's also hard because like even though her friend is, like, so compassionate and, and there for yeah. her, her friend is still an outsider to the experience. And right. so, like, how much can her friend, you know, really connect with, like, what is motivating her to get more information because mm-hmm. her friend's not in that situation. And so right. it's, like, you... And, and like, seeing somebody who's going through something so difficult and traumatic and then, like, you know, feeling more confused by everything going up. Like, mm-hmm. I, I would imagine that, like, as a friend, like, trying to figure out, like, what is that balance between, like, not wanting to push my friend further like towards down this downward hole. spiral, yeah. Yeah. but also be like, okay, like, what you're finding, like, is definitely weird. Like, maybe look more into it. Like, yeah. I don't know if I would, if I would encourage a close friend or, like, relative or someone going through the grieving process to look further because, like, mm. not because, you know, 
they won't like what they find, but like just the pro like, what is that process doing to somebody while yeah. also like just needing to be okay for themselves and take care of themselves? Like yeah. when you're, mm-hmm. when your world is, is unraveling, like trying to find a sense of stability for but sure. she's like kind of doing the opposite in a way in, yeah. in like getting more information that's only making it more confusing for her. So I think it's it's hard to know. Like, there's a part of me that's like, I think that again, like that character is like well intentioned for sure, and like yeah. super grounded. And I don't know if she's necessarily like completely invalidating what she's finding, mm-hmm. but like I imagine that it's really difficult watching her friend go through something that's like so awful, and then like is continually coming out even worse and worse as she's like finding out more information. Yeah, I think it was just that whole exchange of like. She, Rebecca Hall's character was going through the phone, mm-hmm. and her friend was like, "Why are you oh, going through his stuff? You. Stop she's going like, through no, his stuff!" Not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like, okay, but you know, she is finding things, and maybe this is something that she needs to go through to get some closure. Sure. So I was kind of like, help your friend yeah. <laughs> get to the closure. But I understand yeah. what you're saying as mm-hmm. far as the stability aspect of it, because you can go down a spiral where you're losing a sense of reality, and mm-hmm. it is nice to have somebody who can can bring you back yes. to that, which is actually physically what she did at the end yeah. was bring her back. Yeah. Yeah. Like wake her out of that on. like fugue state. And, yeah. and, but I think that's a really good point of like having somebody who's like still grounded in reality enough. Mm-hmm. So, but like, I think maybe the approach wasn't the most empathetic in that moment to like yeah. try to, you know, encourage her to be like, I, like, would it have been more, um, empathetic if she like accompanied her on this like it was such mm. a it was such an independent like journey that yeah. she's on in finding all of this out that like despite despite this support that is around her that maybe she's rejecting she's still doing all of this on her own right which I think also I mean that's a trope in horror movies where people don't <laughs> believe you and like that's where you're being gaslit and invalidated all the time but right. this is interesting because like I mean even though she talks about, like, struggling with depression and, like, clearly has these support figures in her life, we never actually see any of them helping her directly in what she's right. uncovering. And yeah. so it's, like, how fiercely independent is she or, or like, why does she feel like she has to do this on her own? Like, it's interesting that there isn't a point where that dynamic is, like, let me go with you or let me help you or do you want me to come with you? Right. It's more of, like, trying to steer her away from all of that. Right. Um, which also maybe going back to, like, uncomfortability with death, like, mm-hmm. maybe that's, like, her friend's uncomfortability and, like, oh, what if we do find out, like, more of this stuff in this pro- – like, what – like, I think it just – all of it, you know, yeah. people want to be supportive but, like – don't want to be too involved. Absolutely. And like you said, it can bring up other things in their mm-hmm. own world mm-hmm. that can be kind of triggering or harming. So it's like, let me not dive too deep into something that might set me off. Sure. Uh, and even just speaking on death, what I, I just want to make a comment that I love the fact that death doesn't go away mm-hmm. and that it's still there. And mm-hmm. I think that's just a, um, a thing that I always talk about therapy and I talked about today is just about like having that mental illness or whatever the case may be in this case, like death there, but learning how to deal with it. And it seems like with her now, she is dealing with it with a sense of like a more of a support system and the closure of at least what she knows has happened mm-hmm. with her, with her husband. Mm-hmm. But why do you think 
she stayed in the lake house in the first place after the death. Because it's beautiful. Oh, my God. <laughs> because, like, the views. the, the You're like the real estate market right now. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> to actually answer that question, I think she stayed there because she was grieving. And, okay. like, she was still in a phase of, like, I don't know what to do. Like, mm-hmm. this is our home. Mm-hmm. This is where I live. I'm not leaving here. He built this. It's It's just, like... I don't know. It's, he, like, built it, like, for her. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, he also literally built it for her because of, like, what we uncover about, like, right. the maze and, like, all mm-hmm. of that stuff and, mm-hmm. and um, trying to fool death. Right. But, like, yeah, he, like, built it for her. How do you just, like, up mm-hmm. and leave? It's the same thing as, like, if someone passes away, not deleting the last voicemails you got from them. Mm-hmm. For sure. Like, like yeah, that type absolutely. of thing. Mm-hmm. I guess my only thing is, like, I understand it's the house that they built, but if they died in the place for me that's just like i don't want to be in a place where they actually sure. you know mm. did the deed mm-hmm. she also seems like a masochist okay she likes to put herself in situations that makes her feel crappy I, I, and i mean that in like a you know she was fine with talking about the husband and the death at with her friends at drinks. Mm-hmm. She was like, she put herself into a situation that was super uncomfortable to confront the bookstore woman. Yeah. She stayed in the house. She, she put herself in a really awkward position with the mother asking for a different grade. Mm-hmm. Like she seems like somebody yeah. who likes to feel <laughs> the anger, the group, yeah. like likes to feel those things. Yeah. Um, and therefore, that could be another reason for staying in the house as like mm. a martyr or something to that effect. I'm not saying that. Yeah, no, but I, I get what I you're saying. I agree yeah. per se, but I understand <laughs> where this specific character is coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's just still a hard concept to deal with, but I totally understand. It's it's what they built. Mm-hmm. And then just speaking of this concept of death real quickly before I ask all the depression questions. <laughs> This movie definitely has a, a concept of, of what death is or, you know, what it represents. Do you agree with that? What is your take on what is actually death? Uh, you know, and I know it's like a oh. big concept question. I'll just pull question. up uh, like the monologue <laughs> from Midnight Mass. And, and oh, exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I agree with that <laughs> representation of death. Because um, it's just so interesting, the thing of like it chasing you mm-hmm. and affecting other people to get to you as opposed to it just being a like grim reaper situation mm. of like it's a one and done mm-hmm. like sure. we got you that's it mm-hmm. <laughs> as opposed to like tracking because it also mixes in with messing with her mentally mm-hmm. and what her already depressive state was it's like you also have this thing following you around not only depression but an actual like <laughs> Supernatural, yeah, an entity, yeah. Um, no, you you were gonna say something. Mm. (laughs) No, you're not gonna say something. Oh, um, so I think that this movie is interesting because the way that it deals with death, it doesn't call death death; it calls it nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I I think that's very interesting. Mm -hmm. I think that in the context of this movie, it's almost like death got a taste of her, like Mm. in those four minutes, and like continues to follow her around. I think that the the nothingness in this is symbolic of her never being able to get over trauma. Yeah. It seems like she's holding a lot of this in and until she gets the help of she she 
she, you know, until she gets the help of people, of other people, mm-hmm. will she be able to kind of move past this? And like we talked about, I forget what we talked about this in another one, the idea of like the the burden, the trauma feels very heavy. Yes. And like it will always be heavy, but you learn, you get stronger to carry it. Yeah. You know, like, yes. like that uh-huh. type of thing. And I think that like that's what this movie's doing a little bit. Obviously... You have the aspect of her husband, you know, the supernatural aspect, her husband killing herself, uh, killing himself, excuse me, all of that, um, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting. And, and we have to assume that because he didn't kill the book girl, the book girl, yeah. that's <laughs> why the death, he, he didn't feed death or confuse death for whatever amount of time. Mm. And so that's why it got him this time, because mm-hmm. he didn't fulfill the the sacrifice for whatever that amount of time was. Right. And that, and that's when it got him. And maybe he thought that killing himself would give death something to feed off. Right. There wouldn't be a vessel anymore Mm -hmm. to get to her. Mm -hmm. But realistically, like that's not the case, which is actually this, one of the sadder parts of the movie for me Mm -hmm. that like, he probably gave himself up for it. And like, he sacrificed himself. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he thought that that would stop it. Yeah. Um, and which was also sad was what you mentioned earlier, like she felt like her depression carried over to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when really he was blocking all of that. Yeah. Um, but going back to your death question, like, I don't know. I mean, this movie supposes that death is more of a, like, a living, breathing type thing. I mean, not, that's yeah. the opposite of death. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, that's a bigger question. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah. is, I think death is. I, I mean, personally, I believe that death is something like a midnight, actually like a midnight mass, which I think is why I enjoyed it so much. Yeah. Because I believe that it's about energy and a transference of energy and like the give and take, what you leave back in the world, what you're taking from it and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I, so I, I believe some of some of that energy aspect of things. And I think this movie, like, you could, you could put those thoughts on this movie. Yeah. I, I think this movie I think this movie lends itself well to people who believe in heaven and hell mm-hmm. and I think it lends itself well to people who believe in spiritual energies. Yes. And I believe this in someone who believes that like death is nothingness. Mm-hmm. Because like I think this actually fits the mold for multiple beliefs of what death is mm-hmm. and I think that's why it was enjoyable to me because it, it felt it never felt like one-sided. One-sided. Yes. It felt more secular if you will. Yeah, like for across sure. the board. So I thought that actually never this is the first time I'm kind of like thinking through that aspect of <laughs> yeah. it. So I, it's very, very interesting because you could believe that nothing is from hell and mm. like pulling them down into the depths of hell because they got a taste of it. Yeah. Or it's purgatory bringing them to a different place. Like when she's – is purgatory when she's dreaming, when she's connecting right. with the other women, right. when she sees mm-hmm. the women running by her, mm-hmm. you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um it could be just the energy of the universe being like, oh, we had your energy for four minutes. You need to fill the hole that you left here. Oh. Like, there's, like, lots of different... I just got goosebumps from all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's but great. it's, like, a that's lot great. of different things. Obviously, trying to spook us, and it's a little more on the scary side. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I mean, death is scary regardless of if it's a nice experience or not. So mm-hmm. I think that those are all... Like interesting things to think about. I don't know what this movie subscribes to, but I think it leaves it open ended, open ended enough. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's great. <laughs> uh, so, with that, let's assume that she uh, had depression before her near death experience. Mm. So, she has that near death experience. 
how can that play into her already mental illness that she has and then experiencing a close death? Mm-hmm. Like, how can those specific things kind of add to the trauma of what she was already dealing with? Sure. I mean, I think, like, one perspective is, like, <clears throat> if if there is nothing, mm-hmm. like, if once you die there is nothing, then it's, like, what's the point kind of perspective? Mm-hmm. And, like, how do you how do you motivate yourself to, like, get up each day? How do you, like, keep going if, like, like what are you working towards if yeah. that's it? Because yeah, I yeah. think a lot, like, you know, in talking about death and what death means for people, I think a lot of people are motivated by, like, you know, other belief systems that, like, mm-hmm. this movie doesn't ascribe to. And so, like, that's, what's, that's what keeps them going. Yeah. And, like, I can't imagine that, like, if you have that experience and there is just nothing, it's like, how do you, like, what else can you connect to then on this mortal plane to keep you going? Yeah. And so like, then you have this connection that she makes with this person. Cause like we said, we don't know what her family situation is, mm-hmm. but like they don't really seem to be involved. And so like he becomes her family. Yeah. And then you lose that. And it's like, again, now what, like I, I, you know, after having that experience, at least I wanted to make the most of what my living experience was going to be. And then I lose the person that's like making it worth it for me. Like now what? So like, again, it's like another instance of like trying to figure out what are the things that like keep you going, whether like, you know, uh, I would call them like protective factors. What are the what are the mm. factors that like keep you alive? What are the factors that like you know keep you keep you going? The things that motivate you, the things you're passionate about, the things that make you happy, joy, pleasure, like all of those things. Yeah. Um, or like like maybe if you don't have close family connections, are there other friends or other supports? Do you have, do you go to a club or a church or anything else like that, that like, that is what keeps you here on this plane. And so like, so if so much of her self was like wrapped up into this relationship, then, and then you lose that. It's like, what then do I have to fall back on? And, Mm. and so that's, that's what, that's what I have to say about that. Yes. (laughs) No, yeah, because then that brings up of her feeling like she put her depression mm-hmm. on. Do, is that a normal thing to think that if you're close with someone, and even if he didn't necessarily kill himself, but he's experiencing just now kind of like a different mindset? Mm-hmm. I don't know what my question is in that, but it's just interesting to think that she put that on him. And I guess I'm asking, is, like, is that, that what is like? Is that a thing? is that a part of like a you know <clears throat> a depression process of like? You know. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, if if she doesn't have, like, let's say she's not seeing a therapist, let's say that she has, mm-hmm. like, a very limited support system, like, who is she talking, who is she confiding in yeah. all of these things that are going on for her? Is it only him? And so mm-hmm. then it's, like, this, this anxiety, I mean, anxiety and depression are often, like, besties hanging out together. Yes. <laughs> so, like, the anxiety that then stems from that of, like, oh, God, am I burdening this person with, like, my shit and, like, putting it all on them? And now they mm-hmm. have to carry with, like, their own stuff, but now my stuff, too. Like, of course, like, I think that's a very... That's a very common thing that I hear from folks all the time of, like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to burden my friends and family with these things. I don't want to, like, put that on them, um, which is why therapy is important. Yes. But but also, like, again, I think that, you know, when you – when you find those people that like are connected to you, like mm. you're not a burden. Like you're not yeah. burdening them with those things because they care about you. They care about your well being. They want you to be happy. And so like it's it's 
you know, the compassion and empathy that they have for you mm-hmm. that that allows you to be able to like offload some of these things that are going on for you to them and and like still maintain a positive relationship with them. Right. Yeah, while also though sometimes having to have the boundary like the friend of being like Mm-hmm. But also here is yeah. the reality of the situation. Totally, yeah. So and then and then like I think sometimes folks can like misinterpret boundaries and like internalize mm-hmm. it. So it's like if someone t- puts a boundary out, like oh god, that means that I'm too much for them or something like that. Right. And it's like how do you also have like a healthier understanding of like somebody else putting out that boundary, which mm-hmm. might mean like in this moment they can't take this on for you, but that doesn't mean that they don't love you, that they don't care about you, that this relationship is over, any of that. Right. It just means like, you know, sometimes people, like everyone has to take care of themselves. Like who better yeah. than to take care of you than you? And so like if you're putting stuff on on somebody else, like they might need to exert that boundary just so that they're able to take care of themselves. Right. And so like having... Again, like, that's why I think, like, having, like, an established support system. So it's, like, not leaning solely on just one, one person. Because, yeah. like, that that can be really difficult and yeah. when that person exerts boundaries. Yeah. There's no, go ahead. So here's a question. No. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> that's my boundary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> How, this movie obviously takes us to the, like, uh, to 11. Mm-hmm. But, like, let's say someone you love dies. Mm-hmm. And you find out things about them afterwards. How do you like? H- how do you balance what you know about the person and what you knew about the person when they're not even here to defend themselves? As the mm-hmm. uh, best friend said at one mm-hmm. point, like, how do you? I forget what the word I'm looking for. How do you like process process make sense of like mm-hmm. when? You're just learning things after the fact, and like it does it. How much can it color? Does it color what you've experienced? Like mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think context is important. Although, like the context of this is that he was murdering people, so that's like right. pretty bad. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, that's a big yikes from mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I think it depends on context. I think it depends on. Um, you know, the type of relationship that someone has with that person and, like, personal values and ethics and things like that. Because, like, you know, if you... If someone that's, like, your best friend or your closest family member dies and then you find out that they did all these, like, awful, terrible things, like... Do do your personal values then like create tension with who they were, who you thought they were as a person? Like, mm. you know... Um, I think I, I think that like your internal compass would play a really big role in in your ability to like take in this new information and like you know either remember them as the person you thought they were or regard them in a different light based yeah. on how much like internal conflict and tension that there is. So um, I think for her, I don't know. I mean, I think obviously there's a supernatural entity that's like coming after her that influenced him. So like there's this added layer of like, is it, is he really at fault for doing these things Mm -hmm. because he's influenced by this, this other entity. And even though he had his wits about him when he was killing all these people. Um, and so like, that's because like, my understanding is that the entity was like whispering in his ear and so there's like this constant like noise that he's hearing of yes. like kill your mm-hmm. wife kill your wife kill your wife right and so in an attempt to not kill his wife he was killing these other women but like it wasn't like he was 
under the influence, so to speak. Like, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. And there's, like, intent and, and like, uh, it's, like, me- uh, why can't I say this word right now? Methodical. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and so, like, that's all, like, very scary and bad. And then they kind of, I think, try to, like, put it all in a good light again because it's like, oh, but he sacrificed himself for you. Kind of <laughs> right. Thing. And it's yeah. like, well, without that, like, that is just an objectively bad, scary thing. And so, like, without the without the supernatural entity, let's say that he was mentally ill and he mm. heard voices that were still telling him to kill his wife without, mm-hmm. like, the nothing there. Yeah. But he still chose this path. Like, then, like, how do you make sense of that? Like, that's... That's, like, you know, maybe, like, without the supernatural piece, maybe, like, a level closer to reality where it's, like, yeah, how do you, how do you, like, not rectify, but, like, yeah, how do you, like, just combine all of those intersecting ideas of who this person is Mm -hmm. and, and, like, do you let it go? Like, can you, is that, like... Because what can Reconcile. you do? Reconcile. Yes. That's the word there I was we looking go. for, too. I was like, Oh, boy. <laughs> that felt so good. <laughs> reconcile. How do you reconcile the two people? These two people. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it is Ooh, like they have totally wow. different I feel like I just on. like, I don't want to lift it off my shoulders. <laughs> I would know. No. Then we could buy a lake house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sure. But, do, I mean, does that make sense? Like, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, one last thing that happened, then we can go into other things. In there's a lot about her relationships with other people after having this loss. Like, how can losing someone that close to you affect your other immediate relationships? I know that's like a very broad general question, mm-hmm. but we see just through the ways that she's even interacting at work and saying more how she feels with the interaction with the parent mm-hmm. and saying how she feels with her friends where she might not have shared so much other things. Sorry, I'm just thinking of that scene with, like, I have many hunters this year. (laughs) Oh, how many? Uh, Three. Three. (laughs) (laughs) But also she said it's a personal matter. Oh, yeah. And she was still asking about it. Mm -hmm. And she was like, that's why I said it's a personal matter. But that is, like, how... But that's like the quintessential thing. Yeah, it's like, I mean, yes, I'm sure you yeah. probably talk, <laughs> talk for many hours, many hours and days about, about that. But yeah. That is an accurate scene, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. You're like, it happens. It happens across <laughs> the world every hour. Oh, gosh. Uh, but yeah, just because I'm sure she wouldn't have had those responses. She would have had more maybe of a professional response with the parents, you mm. know, more of a... If it wasn't for, you know, the things that were happening. So I guess how can loss affect, like, an immediate loss affect your relationships? Because it also seemed like she might have went to work, like, too soon. Totally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that's also, like, a very interesting thing, too, because, like, I have... I've worked with people who have experienced, like, loss or trauma. I'll say, like, trauma is, like, a larger kind of, like, uh, umbrella. Yeah. And, like... Trauma is hard to deal with. Surprise. Um, yes. <laughs> and so, like, using distractions to, like, avoid dealing with it in those moments, like, mm-hmm. totally makes sense. Like, yeah. I'm not surprised that she, again, like, she's isolated in the middle of nowhere on this lake house. Like, of yeah. course she's going back to work because, like, she's not just going to, like, sit and stew all day. I mean, she's That's already true. doing that. But, like, there's only so much one person can do that, like, for however long. And so, like, pivoting to being, like, 
fuck this. I'm just going to go to work and like focus on work and like throw myself into it. I, I have so many clients and in the past who've, who've like thrown themselves into work or other activities Mm -hmm. as a, as a form of avoidance. Like, like we as humans, like cannot deal with like distress and like those negative emotions. And so like, what are we going to do to not deal with them? We're going to avoid them like Mm -hmm. in any way we can. And like what that looks like, you know, is a huge spectrum. And it's interesting because it's like, she's choosing to work, which like, sure, it's like not the most appropriate thing, but like, what are the alternatives? Like, could she be using drugs as a way to escape and avoid dealing Mm. with the thing? So like, this is like on the spectrum of things, this might look like a more, you know, like socially acceptable form of avoidance, but it's still avoidance. It's still like, this is not going to help you move on more quickly or like help you make sense of all of this. Like you still have to deal with it. And so now you're just like, you know, in this space carrying this stuff and like, don't like, yeah, like the boundaries are like, you know, kind of all over the place. Right. So like other people now are, are also affected by what she's doing and saying and things like that. But I mean, also like, you know, she, she is isolating herself from others. Like when her neighbor is reaching out saying like, Hey, come over for lunch. Like yes. let's, let's, you know, or even like explicitly says like, Hey, I know exactly what you're going. Cause he was a, he was a widow as well. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like him saying like, I know what you're going through, like mm-hmm. to the best of my abilities and like trying to empathize with her in that moment. Yeah. Um, and, and she's like, just doesn't want to, like isolation totally also makes sense because like you know it's again like a lot of the same things of not wanting to put that on other people sometimes right. or like again having to talk about it then with other people and it's like what is there to talk about mm-hmm. um and like talking about it makes people uncomfortable so like all these reasons why like people might isolate themselves versus like throwing themselves into these um like distractions mm-hmm. and such so as opposed if we should not avoid and we should be processing. Yes. But Take also- me down that, that path. <laughs> is it like, yo, therapy is, we need to just do therapy? <laughs> I mean, yes, therapy definitely helps. But also, like, I think, um, I think there's, like, a timing thing to that, too, because, like, for some folks, like, the sooner after, like, something really intense and tragic happens, like, it is obviously really difficult to talk about things, and some mm-hmm. people need, like, time. I mean, I... I I always feel bad when I have to use the word time in therapy because like I'm not I'm not a magician. I've also learned for that from um, <laughs> yes. a consultant that I worked with who was like, "Are they looking for like magic? Do you, I'm sorry. Am right. I? Are you a wizard?" And I was like, <laughs> yes. "You know what? I haven't checked, but I never got my leather from Hogwarts, so I don't think I am." Period. Which is really upsetting. <laughs> um, but like the idea that like therapy is not like a magic fix, and that right. ultimately like time plays such a larger role in like working through things is like Mm -hmm. you know the more time in between like the point of like crisis like the thing that happened and and where you're at now like time you know time heals all wounds kind of like thing but like it really does play such an influential role so I think like it does take time to get to a place where you feel like you can actually start talking about it and I don't think that right. distractions are bad 100% of the time. I think something else that comes up a lot is, like, trying to find the balance between, like, leaning in and feeling your feelings, which is, like, the most stereotypical therapy thing I'll ever say. But it's so... It is true. It's true. But yeah. also, like, 
on the flip side, figuring out when are those moments where like it's too much and you need to like kind of pull yourself back out mm. of it because like you know just being flooded by all of this all of the time is like mm-hmm. also not necessarily the best. So like is there this balance that you can find for yourself? Yeah. Between like processing and dealing with everything that's going on and also like kind of creating some space for yourself and and using some distractions because like otherwise the feelings are so overwhelming. Right. I mean that makes total sense as someone who is an avid avoidant. <laughs> That is not the only we are all we 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 all all do it avoid the things but it Mm -hmm. is definitely I'm more on the side of like feel your feelings Mm -hmm. because you got to let it like all process through so Mm -hmm. like but it also makes sense if you're even not if you're not ready to talk at all like you're not going to talk to a therapist either Mm -hmm. so you need to take the time whatever that is going to be for you and your own individual journey and then get on the track of like figuring out with somebody else who can help you in that headspace Mm -hmm. so no that's really cool. Brian, well, other things? Tomatoes? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, one other thing I wanted to say is just, like, I, I know we talked about the nothing, but I do really love the visual of the nothing in yeah. this movie. Of, yeah. like, the the absent space and, like, the the shifting of, like, the architecture oh, in different spaces is, like, yeah, definitely. so wild. And I realized in re-watching it that, like, literally in that first scene when she comes home from the funeral, he, he shows up. He opens the door and you see him in the background. I definitely didn't know this at the first time I saw this movie, but I know mm-hmm. this is it the second time because I was like, wait, he he comes immediately. Like, he's yeah. right there yeah, waiting. Yeah, movie starts fast. It Very starts, much. like, really fast, and yeah. it's so tense. Which makes sense because, like, now that the husband is dead... He would this, come in. He would come mm-hmm. in. It's right. not like this slow burn. Like, I, I would have believed it less if it was more of a slow burn. Like, yeah. Like, imme- like, that first night, like... He's there. He Things plays, are happening. She wakes up to the song. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um... Okay, Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah. It's the Rotten Tomatoes game. What do you think this has on Rotten Tomatoes? I'm going to say 87. Um, I'm going to say... 83. This has an 86. <sighs> So, so close. Price is right rules, Jamie, Jamie wins. wins. <laughs> Closest to you win. Okay. Um, it has an 86, and the critics' consensus is, led by Rebecca Hall's gripping central performance, the Nighthouse offers atmosphere- atmospheric horror that engages intellectually as well as emotionally. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I was gripped. It gripped me good. Um <laughs> So the audience score is a little bit lower at 69. And the audience says, the story's a bit slow and confusing, right up to an ending that will leave some disappointed. But Rebecca Hall is terrific, and there are some truly tense and scary moments. I think a lot of people uh, just didn't get it. Yes. And uh, get with it. No, I I get it. No, they have to listen to us talk about it, watch it again, and then Mm -hmm. they'll appreciate Mm -hmm. it. I had a friend watch it who did not like it Mm. because he doesn't like supernatural type things. Yeah. He likes things that are more like, he likes horror movies that are more grounded in reality, Mm. like a slasher movie. Yes. Like, or something like that. Like this, like, or Where like, the killer is like somewhere yeah, after, like people. a hereditary or a midsummer. Oh, okay. Even though hereditary has a lot yeah. of the, that stuff, he just likes 
it just feels more a little bit more grounded mm. than and like a midsummer feel a little bit more grounded for him okay. than regardless I, I understand the other side like he of wouldn't this. like the Babadook. uh i don't know maybe mm-hmm. because at least that has you cuz you could watch the Babadook and not you could watch the Babadook and pretend that the Babadook does not actually exist mm. and still and this movie still makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, okay, cool. So should we do... Um, the four S's. Skull, scare, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns, four S's. Okay. We are going to do that, like you said. All right. The four S's stand for... Um, skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. We rank them one through five on how this movie handles those. So let's start with skulls, which is mental health and human behavior. Jamie, one through ten. One through, what did I say? Five. One through five. I don't know why I said that. It's one through ten. Yeah, we <laughs> I didn't even this, catch that. It's we do like, it the oh, same every week. Um, <laughs> all right, Jamie, you go first. Um, for skulls, is an eight for me. Um, I just think this, like I said, I think this, all of the representations of mental health, of grief, um, of like, of other people's uncomfortability around grief, mm-hmm. it's all pretty accurate. I, I appreciate it. Cool. Nikisha? I'm going to give it a nine. Cause Whoa. Sorry. Like we just, right. <laughs> <laughs> just because like we talked about earlier of every decision that they were making, we weren't like, oh, why are you doing this? Don't do this. It's like, mm-hmm. no, yes, do it, do it. Mm-hmm. And I rarely find myself encouraging. encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do it. Get the Ouija, Get Ouija board. board. <laughs> cool. Uh, I'm going to do a nine. Uh, no, uh, I'm going to do a nine. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was really, I thought it was great. Yeah. All right. Scares. Scares being the, uh, how scary was it and whatnot. Um, I will say that the falling asleep and waking up cut mm-hmm. was so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm going to give this like a seven. Mm-hmm. I think that like, it's not, it's obviously like tone. It's like weird across the board. It makes you feel weird in certain places. Yeah. But like that sequence when that sequence go into the women running past her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even just the reveals are frightening in some ways. Um, but there are some really good like sound cues. I wish I hadn't seen the trailer for this movie mm. because some of those like um, bigger like the bigger scares like yeah. the thing like the faces in the column mm. were ruined mm. for me. Sure, I think that would have really gotten me if I had yeah. seen it for the first time in the movie. So I'll give it a seven. I'm gonna give it a six because it's. I mean, yeah, I wasn't like jumping, but just the overall tension was sure there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm going to give it also a six. The first time I watched it, I probably would have given it like a nine, but I was like very tense going into it. So Mm -hmm. it like really got me. But then this time around, like, because I knew when all the jump scares were coming, Mm -hmm. it's still like very unsettling and creepy. So I think a six for me. Cool. Shakes, how much is this going to stay with you? Jamie? That was spooky the way you said that. Stay with you. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I think maybe a 6.5. I'm definitely still thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
like if if I you know wanted to give folks suggestions on like movies that I think handle grief really well, like The Baba Duke was already there, but I think I'm gonna add this one to yeah. my list. Absolutely. Cool. Mm-hmm. Nikisha? I'm gonna give it a seven. Okay. Okay. It's uh <laughs> it's just a great it's a film, capital F. Yeah. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give it an eight. Uh I think that this uh this does it for me. Like, yeah. I just really good. And yeah. I enjoyed it. And I think that the, t- the reveal is fun, like, for what it is. And I th- I'm, I'm into this. Yeah. All right. Kind of like you said, reveal, which made me think of RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, yes. <laughs> Give me a nice reveal. Yeah, some, yeah. some butterflies, some dead butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Then uh, what are your suggestions? Jamie, because she has all the good suggestions. Um, well, you might be disappointed because I I only have – I was trying to really think. I really only have one, and then you said it, so then I was like, well, I don't oh. Okay. Um, the Invisible Man. Oh, work. Great. Yeah. I think, um, you know, that obviously you have the invisible piece. Mm-hmm. Um But I think also, like, another movie, different themes, but another movie that I think handles, like, real responses to the things that are going on, or who that handles responding as a human to things that are going on in what feels like a very realistic way. Yeah. Um, And, like, also a very compelling, um, strong female lead who, like, I fully believe. um, So, yeah, Invisible Man. The, The 2020 Oh, yeah. Cool. Invisible Man. She's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Do you have any, Nikisha? I mean, if, this is for your friend who doesn't like the other uh, <laughs> aspects of it. So just watch, like, Final Destination if you want death to be a mm-hmm. thing that's more, you know, singular, surface sure. level. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Absentia. Never heard of it. Which <laughs> is one of Mike Flanagan's, Absentia. like, first movie. Okay. Um, the acting is not great in it, like to, straight up. Yeah. But it's very interesting. It's about this woman whose husband disappeared, mm. and then um, he was never confirmed dead. So he was like, he was he was registered as in absentia, okay. like which is like just disappeared, like just absent. Oh. And then he comes back a little weird, and it's about like w- what's happening, where has he been, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from? And <laughs> I Joe. Um, and I, well, I think, I think this has some like Venn diagram, like connections to what we watched, but I think this one's super interesting and it has like that disappeared thing, totally different, but I think that this is something that you might enjoy yeah. plot wise if you watched, um, if you watch and liked Nighthouse. Mm-hmm. It'd be a, maybe yeah. a two pack, uh, one and a half maybe. pack. Maybe, yeah, one and a half pack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You get yeah. The, the broken in half. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that just reminds me, what's that movie like The Vanishing Woman or something from like the 30s, 20s? Where she's like on a train, but it's like something about she was never there. Or so, I don't know. Hmm. Isn't that what it's called? Uh, I mean, there is a film called The Lady Vanishes. Yeah. What year was that? 38. Hitchcock. Maybe that's what. Yes, that could be. I've never seen it, but I feel like that's the same vibe. Hmm. What's it called? The lady vanishes. The lady vanishes. She sure does. Oh, yeah. That was my dating life at one point. <laughs> no, I didn't murder them. They. Uh, it could go so many ways. Yeah. The joke was about ghosting me, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll... St- <laughs> you workshop it. I'll workshop it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Oh, gosh. Hilarious. This movie was really good. It's mm-hmm. excellent. Yeah. 
This is a movie that does not work if she's not as good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you needed really somebody, like, really, really, like she really sold it. good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All aspects, and there was just so many different dynamics of the character anyway that she was just spot on mm-hmm. uh, hitting it. Great. Well, as that wraps up our episode of The Night House. Mm-hmm. You can follow us on all of the social medias. I was going to say on all of the Instagrams. <laughs> On all of the social medias, which include Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Whoa, TikTok. Yes, at TalkHorrorPod, P-O-D, for all of them. Uh, We just put out random videos, especially with our random male noise, uh, (laughs) about things we watch, things that are trending, as uh, well as all the movies that... We're excited for and things that we talk about for the podcast. Mm-hmm. And Brian, where can they listen to us? Sure. You can find us wherever you get podcasts like uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, rate and review us. Five, Five stars, oh. please. <laughs> and thank you. So eager for I'm the, the stars. stars. I mean, we want them. Five stars, please. <laughs> A really nice holiday gift for us would be you uh, putting that review into mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts. Uh, it'll be really helpful. It'll be actually really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another really nice thing would be um, cutting us a check for this lake house. <laughs> um, you know. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. <laughs> That'd be um, fantastic. Cool. Um, any other final thoughts before we sign off of this bad boy? No. Do you have a quote you want to share? <laughs> oh, me? <laughs> yes. Oh, I do. I do. Hold on. I, I wrote down a quote in this that I really liked. Besides, where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from? Cotton, Cotton Eye Joe. Joe. Um, no, the one thing I liked in this was, um, I forget, maybe it's her best friend or somebody says to her, uh, you're closer to death than you've ever been. And then mm. she says, well, that's not exactly true. Mm. I really liked that because that was just like, you don't know me. Mm-hmm. And yes. uh, also, I like that again, that also emphasized the fact like this is important. Mm-hmm. But like, it was also a defensive thing. So it worked into yeah. the character. I really sure. liked that. Yeah. Devil. Yeah. No, that's great. Also, let's get like a house. <laughs> I just want just to spend a weekend there. Mm-hmm. With, yeah. the pel- with the Peloton. We'll make oh, it yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll bring the Peloton <laughs> to the lake house. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Thank you. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.